You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit zennovascotia.com. Today my son stayed home sick from school and so I drove him to the doctor and as we were driving a flash of a a black cat ran in front of the car these things happened so quickly it was it was almost a blur and I was sure we were going to hit the cat it, it seemed inevitable and then there was that moment that wonderful moment of relief where you know that you, that you didn't you know I couldn't see the cat anymore but but the the feeling or the sound or whatever it was that I expected to happen it, it didn't happen so there was this fraction of a second of oh good followed by seeing that in the other lane a car was coming this way and that it hit the cat and as i as i drove on, i i heard it i knew and then i looked in the rearview mirror and i knew for sure and there were cars behind me and there was no place to pull over and i i was for a moment i was i was thinking but i should pull over and then i was asking myself but why what am i trying to do and so we my son didn't know the words exactly but we 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 chanted a a funeral as we drove on to the 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 doctor he just kind of helped me out we we did the same funeral that dogen got and then and then we talked about it and we talked about how sad we were about the cat and then we talked about the cat and we talked about we kind of made an inventory of all the people who might also be sad about the cat it happened right in front of a school kids might have seen it and the people the cat lived with and the people who hit the cat and I think we were glad that we had this conversation and at the same time we both were left with this feeling of well what are we to do it it felt so immediate and we were so close to it and and it's so concrete and you want to do something but it's not clear what that is if we're honest i think we just feel like this all the time today was especially vivid because i watched something happen just a couple of feet from where i was 
But if you read the news, if you just walk down the street and you see people's faces, it can be overwhelming how how much suffering there is and how little we as individuals seem to be able to affect that suffering. I would love in this moment in the talk to then offer the way that, that actually we can. That's not what this talk is. But I think that there's something important in our impulse to act, even in the face of not knowing. I've confronted this impulse so many times, and, and I, because of, you know, what I do, one of the ways that I respond is by chanting, and one of the ways that I respond is by bowing. I had a friend, I've, I've mentioned him recently, his, his daughter died. It's devastating. It's, it's not that it's impossible to imagine, it's that it's easy to imagine the depths of that pain and that loss. And yet, there's nothing to be done. And so I would think of, of him and I would chant and I would say his name and her name when we would do the ceremony here. And I want to offer up the possibility that we can do something like that. with complete honesty without having to believe in any outcome. In fact, I think that's what we're charged with doing. We have these moments in our lives when we want to offer something. And there's nothing, there's no clear thing. Either because we aren't the person to do it, or because the, the person we want to offer to is across the world, or because the person we want to offer to is already gone. There's nothing we can pick up and hand to the other person. There's no service we can provide, and yet we want to give. And so we, we just we confront this moment, what do I do, right? Do I do nothing because my rational mind informs me that, oh, it's, it's a lost cause, or do I do something? Not merely as a gesture, 
but because that's more honest than holding back. This kind of conversation can be a little bit dangerous because we can hear it wrong. We can say, oh, now I have a way of being good. Whenever I see a situation in which someone needs help or in which someone is suffering, I can, I can offer something in my mind and I can check the box. That's not what this is. Right? The vehicles, the means by which we express generosity are body, speech, and mind. If you can serve with your body, if you can be generous with your body, you be generous with your body. If you can be generous with speech, you be generous with your speech. Those are first. We don't usually rank them, but I'm ranking them. But, and when you find that you can't, when you find that you don't have those tools at your disposal, then you offer this other thing. You offer this, this thing that is, that is felt, this thing that should not be tamped down. We offer merit when we chant, and we don't know what that means. If we say that it's meaningless to do it, then we're play-acting and we should stop. If we say that it's real and that there's a transference that's happening between myself and someone else, then we're caught up in a really weird story and we should probably stop. That knowing, I can't see how that helps. But when you have an impulse to give, you have to find a way to give. When the option is between giving and not giving, you exercise whatever it is that gives so that the next time it's easier to give and the next time it's easier to give so that you're constantly in an act of letting go, so that you're constantly in an act of offering. Again, not offering something magical, offering yourself Placing yourself in the suffering of someone else. Not resisting that. Not holding back from that. Not creating a boundary or creating an excuse. But reaching out and touching that in whatever way you can. I think about this in relationship to the vows. I've, I've said many times that, that we, can't, we can't lie when we say the vows. Right? Beings are countless. I vow to free them all. But this belief, it doesn't, you don't have to believe that you can do it. 
You have to believe that you have to do it, whether you can or not. You have to believe that this is what you've agreed to do. The other question of what you're capable of, how do you answer that? How does anyone answer that? When you get married and you promise to love someone forever. In that moment, you can promise that. It can be completely honest. It doesn't mean that you know. And when you promise to keep a child safe, you don't know if you can. But you know there is no alternative but to make that promise. Whatever it is for you, the thing that makes you feel helpless, the thing that awakens the part of you that wants to reach out but doesn't know how, that pull, that tension is speaking to something huge. It's speaking to something fundamental, not only about this practice, but, but I think of what it means to be alive. What do we do with that? You can't not have that. It's as universal as anything can be. And so your confrontation with that, your relationship with that, the decisions you make around that are as basic as they can be to who you are and how you're touching the world. What do you offer when you don't have anything to give? What do you do when you don't know how to help? There's not one way. I think there are probably countless ways. I'd like to find more. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.